I have a word for you today. You ready? There is hope. Amen. Anything that's trying to bring doubt or discouragement your way is not God. Even when the Lord corrects you, there's a joy about it knowing this is good. It's leading to higher things. Even though it may be out once in a while, you know in your heart. When God speaks to you, here's how you can tell if God's quoting scriptures to you or the devil's quoting scripture to you. Because the devil quoted scripture to Jesus. Here's how you can tell the difference between God quoting scriptures to you and the devil quoting scriptures to you. You ready? If it's God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not fear, not anxiety, not, oh no, there's no hope. Because sometimes the enemy will throw scriptures your way to, to condemn you. Scriptures out of context, scriptures that don't apply to you at the moment are scriptures overboard, you know, beyond the, the reasoning of the, the Word of God. But when the God speaks to you, even corrective words, guess what's going to be in the atmosphere? Faith. Yeah. Faith comes by hearing. How do you know you're hearing from God? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's going to do something good for your faith. What if fear comes to you? Now, Jesus, the devil tempted Jesus, you know, for those 40 days in the wilderness, and he came with Scripture and said, Jesus, it's written, Psalm 91. God's going to give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Go ahead and jump off the temple. Come on, if you're the Son of God, he's going to send his angels. Come on, Jesus, come on. That was a temptation. And the Lord said, it's also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And so Jesus realized, yeah, Psalm 91 is a scripture, but at the same time, I can't go drinking poison to prove that God's going to protect me or handling a snake to prove that God's going to protect me. Right. That's called tempting the Lord. <clears throat> and so in that sense, that scripture would be wrong to act on, right? Jumping off a building to prove that God, you have angels. Well, that's how you get killed. All right, did I say good morning? Turn to Matthew chapter 6. And as you're turning there, um, well, I'll wait till you get there, and then we'll pray together as a church. We'll release our faith, and we'll believe for everything else we need to hear today. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, it's such a privilege to be in church today. Thank you for the health to be here. Thank you we're not in prison somewhere. Thank you, Lord, we're not in a hospital laid up somewhere. Thank you for the health to be here today. Oh, and by the way, Lord, thank you for making the air that we need every second. Thank you for gravity that keeps us hooked to the earth. <laughs> Father, thank you for all these things that many take for granted. Because of you, we're alive. Because of you, we can breathe. Because of you, we're not floating out in outer space today where there's no air. Father, we thank you for being our life giver. And as a church today and those online, we know they're in agreement with us. We pray and we ask that the word of the Lord that we need to hear, the specific word that we need to hear right now, we'll hear it. We don't want to just hear a good idea. We don't want to just hear okay things. We want to hear the word of the Lord for us today. We're asking for it. We believe we receive it. And we also declare with your help, we will be doers of this word, not hearers only, not note takers only, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 6. 
Now, if you drove by, you saw the sign out front, and if you saw the one slide that said, uh, Finding Your Greatest Purpose, Sunday, 10 a.m., meaning that that's what we're going to talk about. Well, I believe it's time to do that. And uh, whether the title stays exactly the same or not, that doesn't matter. We just need to hear what God says and we can title it later. Um, but I want to talk about finding your greatest purpose. Now, I believe the, the Lord gave me these words specifically because every one of them are important. Finding means it's not just going to come to you because you have a good heart. You're going to have to do some seeking. And not finding uh, somebody else's greatest purpose. Let them and the Lord deal with that themselves. Even parents, even with your kids, watch out about trying to make your kids do in life what you want them to do. Get them in the habit as early as in the womb, getting them in the habit, get, get in the habit of helping them look to the Lord for what they should do in life, not just to the colleges, not just to the peers, not just to what they want to do. Get them immediately looking to the Lord for direction in their life. Don't just tell your kids, oh, honey, you can do whatever you want to do. If Jesus is their Lord, they can't do whatever they want to do. The very word Lord means he's got to say so about what you do in life. And when you realize his plan is better than anything you could ever dream up, you'll be glad to know his will and do his will than anything you'd ever want to do without him. All right? But you have to really watch out about your, your kids growing up thinking that, you know, they can just do anything they want. That's why so many people are unsatisfied in the wrong place at the wrong time, experiencing things they never have to experience because they're not living in God's will for their life. Can I just, can I just give you a revelation here? We heard this a while back. I, I think it was when Patsy and uh, Keith were actually talking about some of these things. And uh, we heard from Patsy, I think it was, um, about, you know, you ask yourself, why is heaven so amazing? You know, it's a real place. It's, it's a real, Dave calls it a planet, you know. I mean, it's a real place. And why is heaven so amazing? Why is there no crime in heaven? Why is there no crying in heaven? Why is there no pain in heaven? Why is everything absolutely perfect in heaven? Well, you can come to the conclusion heaven is perfect because God's will is always done there. Well, bring that now to the earth. What would make our life better? How about if God's will is always done in our lives? Maybe it'd be heaven on earth in our family. Not maybe, it would. Here, here's a real interesting scripture. Don't, don't turn here, but in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says that the Lord's not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slowness. But he's long-suffering to usward. Now listen, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, when I, I thought of that, and I called Carla from Branson as I was, I was praying, and the Lord was talking to me about this, and I, I thought about, okay, the Bible says the Lord's not willing that any should perish. That would include disease, sickness, fear, dying young, all kinds of stuff, right? God's not willing that any should perish. So if you, if you want to avoid the destruction, the perishing, the adversities, if, be in His will. Because He's not willing that any should perish. And if you're in His will, you won't perish. 
See, he's not willing that any should perish. Well, what if we're in line with that willingness? What if we're in line with his will? Then we're going to miss a bunch of stuff that people who aren't in his will might have to go through. So, Matthew 6. Are you ready? <laughs> Say, I'm ready. Matthew chapter 6 in verse 9. After this manner, this is Jesus teaching. After this manner, therefore pray you, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, or in other words, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What did, how did Jesus teach us to pray? He said, he said, even before you start asking for things personally for yourself, uh, make sure you want his will more than anything, even the thing you think you need right now, the healing, the money, or whatever. He said, if you really want to pray right, and you really want to be right where God wants you to be, make sure that his entire will is your highest desire and your greatest request. Not just the thing you need at the time, because here, did you ever realize it? Being in the perfect will of God, that perfect will already includes healing. Mm -hmm. That perfect will already includes protection. That living in the perfect will of God already includes prosperity. And so what the Lord's saying here, he's saying, listen, instead of just asking for things that you need, why don't you make sure that the thing that attracts all those other things you need is happening in your life every day? The will of God. Now, I know there's a lot of people on the planet, many, many people, you can hear it in songs, you can see it in other writings, you can see it in teachings here and there. A lot of people, even many church people, believe that things that happen in this world, that God is in control of everything that happens in the earth. There's a lot of people that believe that. And they may, they may not say it boldly, but when it comes to problems in life, they always kind of go back to, well, you know, I don't know why the Lord allowed that to happen, as if maybe He wanted it for some reason to happen. Friend, do you realize there's a ton of stuff happening on this planet that is flat out not the will of God? He doesn't want it to happen, but it's happening. He didn't commission it to happen, but it's happening. He hates it, but it's happening. All over the place. Do you realize? See, here's one of the things. I, I just wish the church would realize that there is a devil. A devil. One devil. Everybody say one devil. Many demons. Okay, there is a devil. And did you ever think that maybe, maybe just maybe, somehow... He had access and caused a problem in somebody's life. Just maybe. Well, we know it's true. The Bible tells Christians everywhere to resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you're submitted to God, it'll work. Because that's the first part of James 4, 7. Submit yourself therefore to God. Ah, now you're in a position to resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's very hard to, it's very hard to resist the devil when you're yielding to his works. Right? You've got to get that stuff taken care of first if you want your resisting to work right. Repent, in other words. So, in this verse here, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This shows me here that why would he say, pray your will be done, if his will was being done? 
Can I get an amen? amen? Why would the Lord say, pray, God, your will be done, if it's automatically being done? There's a lot of things in the happening in the earth that are not the will of God, that he wants his will to come in on the scene and make, and make those things right. Why say, thy will be done, if his will's already being done? For one thing, you have a will. You can will to do things that the Lord don't want you to do, and He'll let you do them. He'll let you do them. He didn't give you free will to then come back later and make you a puppet. You have a free will, and I have a free will. And we can choose things that are not in line with the will of God. And if that leads us to a problem, and we ask God for help, He's going to help us, but he's also going to talk to you about why you got in the problem in the first place. Doing our own thing is one of the reasons people perish. They hit adversities they didn't have to hit. And then they go to God and cry out for help and expect an immediate deliverance. But a lot of times God wants to teach you how not to get back in the same problem which is be more interested in His will for your life than just waking up in the morning and doing whatever you want to do. Now, we're going to move into something here. Okay, turn to John chapter 8. No, I'm sorry, Acts 26, and then we'll go to John 8. Look at Acts chapter 26. Do you realize that God has a will for your life? And you have to find it. It doesn't just come to you and overtake you and make you do all these things that God wants you to do. That's not God's style. Now the enemy, he's going to try to push you and force you and to do things against your will, but that is not God's style. God's style is, you want me? Find me and follow me. Now this, this message today, I'm telling you church, this is the answer to many people's questions about why things haven't gotten better in their life in all kinds of areas. Health, finances, marital, family, joy, peace. This is the answer. That's a pretty strong statement. I could say it's one of the top three answers. This is the answer to many people's problems and many people's questions of why, Lord, why haven't I seen victory or increase or whatever in my life that I want to see. This is it. Now, your flesh may not like it, because it has to do with your entire life. <laughs> it has to do with your direction, your, your, you know, it has to do with who you is, not just a couple things you do here and there and go back to your own way. This is a big deal. And this is huge. I mean, th this, our kids need to hear these things. You know, I'm, I'm a little concerned about some of the kids. Um, you know, even in the scripture, if you were to go to Deuteronomy 16, and we won't, but even in the scripture in Deuteronomy 16, it talked about when they all came to bring their first fruits and their tithes and their offerings to the Lord. It said, it said now, when, when you do that, your children are with you. And they need to rejoice and praise God as much as you. Deuteronomy 16, 11, I think it is. It said the children, the children shouldn't be just standing next to their parents going like this during the service. They should be worshiping the same God that gave them air to breathe. Right? I, how many know if the Lord just took his hand off of some people's life right now, they'd go crazy. They'd be in an insane asylum. They'd die. 
We need to be thankful for the protection that's on our lives as much as the blessings that we want in our lives that we can see and feel. But th this is so important. We need to get this into our kids, not just us. And I know it starts with us, parents and older people. Acts 26. Paul just got done talking to, I think it was the king. The Lord told him he'd be brought before kings. And in verse, okay, chapter 26... Sorry, guys, you're already there, and I'm still looking. I want you to notice Acts 26, and, he, and so he just got done rehearsing what the Lord told him about his calling. Um, I guess you could um, read the previous verses later, but Paul basically said, this is what the Lord called me to do. He heard from the Lord directly, and uh, it had a lot to do with going out and opening people's eyes to the truth and turning from darkness to light from the power of Satan unto God that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified. That was Jesus talking to Paul, rehearsing a vision that he had. And then in verse 19, Paul said, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Now, Paul's a man just like you, just like me. And what the Lord had for Paul, God's got something similar for us. Now, I want you to notice, I'm going to ask you a question. Why say heavenly vision? Why not just say vision? Hmm? Why, why say I was not disobedient to the heavenly? Because there's other visions you can be involved with. There's other visions you could run after. There's other dreams you could have and pursue. Why say I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision? Well, because there's other visions that are going to try to get your attention. Some might even seem a little exciting at first. But are they from above? Are they from the Lord? Or are they just something you desire? Or is it from the Lord or something somebody else thinks you should be involved with? Is it from the Lord or is it just cool in the world's eyes? Why say I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision? Good question. And the answer is because there's other visions and you need to make sure. Personally, I don't want my life's work to be referred to as stubble when I stand before the Lord. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says all of us, every single one of us is going to stand before the Lord Jesus at that day. Mommy won't be there. Your spouse won't be there. Your daddy won't be there. It's you and the Lord, and you're not being judged for whether you go to heaven or hell. No, th this is the judgment seat of Christ. This is, the, this is the judgment that determines what you get in the next life, not where you go. <laughs> Rewards kingdom reward for things we did for the Lord in this life. And the Bible says every man, say every man. Every, man. every man's work is going to be tried by fire. Say work. work. Should we be interested in work under the New Testament? Absolutely. Every man's work is going to be tried by fire. And the Bible says some works are going to be proven to be gold, silver, and precious stones. Other believers' works are going to be referred to as wood, 
hay and stubble. What happens to wood, hay, and stubble in fire? I don't want my life's work to be stubble. Now, this is interesting because, you know, you can work hard all your life doing something good and it be stubble at the end because the Lord never told you to do it. You just did what you wanted to do for the Lord instead of finding out from Him what He wanted you to do and submitting to that. Huge deal. Do you ever wonder about the scripture in Acts where, where Paul's were talking about King David and the Bible says, King David served his generation. Now, why these next words? By the will of God. Why not just say King David served his generation? Woohoo! Next thought. Why did he say David served his generation by the will of God? Because you can serve your generation by someone else's will, your will, someone you think you should impress, someone you, who, who told you this or that. Why the phrase, by the will of God? Because we, in church, I, I'm telling you right now, a lot of the things right now, we don't see if they're gold, silver, or precious stones, or wood, stair, hubble, stubble. We don't see right now really what's going on. We may think something's wow right now, and later it just burn up in a second. How many know a lot of people, or big buildings, or this kind of success, are people clapping? That doesn't mean it's gold, silver, or precious stones. There's a lot of people that have never been on a platform, always prayed like God told them to, prayed and sought the Lord, supported their church, helped them to, never saw them. They're going to get huge rewards because they did what the Lord told them to do. I'm convinced. I'm totally convinced. Anybody, any good businessman today, anybody who knows business, who's been through school for administration, can build a big building and attract a lot of people. And it doesn't mean it's a powerful work. It doesn't mean it's, it can stand the test of fire. Now, the Bible says if your works are hay, uh, wood, and stubble, and they get burned up, it said the works are gone, the rewards won't be there, but that person will be saved, yet so as by fire. Right. So you can still be saved, but no rewards. Right. It's important stuff. We're not... We're not righteous because of what we do, but we are rewarded because of what we do. I'm going to say that again. We're righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, that's a sealed deal, not of works lest any man should boast. But the same Bible also teaches we are rewarded for our works. Hmm? Now, one of the things I think we need to get into eventually is we need to talk about dead works and getting all dead works out of our life that are draining our time, our money, and our energy for the good works that God's called us to do. Because a lot of people, I mean, they're thinking, Pastor, I don't know if I can do anymore. Are you talking about doing more for the Lord? I don't know if I can do anymore. Stop. You and I will have plenty of time in our life 
to do the full will of God if we'll stop doing a ton of other stuff he never authorized us to do. We just decided to do it. Oh, we have the opportunity. Oh, it's good. Oh, this person said, oh, that, that. You'll have plenty of time to do the full will of God if you'll analyze what you're presently doing and get rid of the dead works that's sucking all the life and producing almost nothing. I'm starting to realize more and more that prosperity is not just about getting increase. It's about stopping the drain once increase does come. So, anybody having fun? All right, so everybody say heavenly vision. All right, go to John chapter 8. Oh, Father, we pray that the heavenly vision that you have for our lives would become crystal clear in all of us. Show us, Lord, where we're at, even if it's not real pretty, that we might get to where you want us to be, where it's beautiful. In John chapter 8, now, this is, this is really interesting here. Look at John chapter 8, verse 31. John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews, the people that believed on him. So are these people believers? Yes, it says they are believers. Is there more available beyond being a believer? Is there more? Has the Lord offered us any more? Is there another step we can take? Is there, is there another life we can step up into? Now, how many of you know all you got to do to go to heaven is really believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? And confess that, you know, with your mouth. All you got to do is believe in Jesus and you'll not perish but have everlasting life. You are going to heaven. But that doesn't mean everything is going to be peachy keen on the earth till you get there. Doesn't mean that, you, that, you know, you're going to automatically live in perfect victory in every area of your life on your way to heaven. Personally, personally, I'm so glad I'm going to heaven. But... There's, there's more we can do for the Lord until we get there. Everybody has a heavenly vision. Everybody has a call. Everybody has a place in the church. As a matter of fact, God uses the language fitly joined together. You know what that means? That's talking more, you're not just around the people. You're fitted like a two-by-four on another two-by-four next to the sheet rock, right? Yeah. God has a place that you and I fit perfect. Yeah. And like we said a few moments ago, you find that place, you get in that place, there'll be times it's going to be a little tough. Maybe a little hammering. <laughs> but you talk about being solid. Yeah. You talk about being able to grow and develop into higher things. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. A whole body fitly joined together and growing up as a holy temple. You know, if you read Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4, it uses the word fitly joined as a member of the body of Christ. Fitly joined in a place that God has for you. Fitly joined. Everybody say fitly joined. Fitly. A place you fit perfect. I don't know how many times I've had people 
come up to me after a church service and tell me, Pastor John, I've never heard words like that before in my life. Uh, absolutely amazing. The, the greatest teaching I've ever heard. And, and you know, I don't think they're quite seeing it right. I'm not the greatest preacher you ever heard. Here, here's what's happening. They're sensing, I'm called here. They're sensing a divine connection. And they're thinking it's just the preaching that's excited them. They're sensing God saying, you fit perfect right here. Whether the preacher's having a good day or not, you fit perfect right here. Whether you agree with everything that happens in this church or not from this moment forward, you fit perfect right here. You fit perfect. I believe a lot of people are sensing a divine connection. And the only way they can interpret it is, wow, that was a great service. The teaching was amazing. Actually, there's something deeper going on in your heart. God's saying you belong here. Recognize it's a divine connection, not just a good preacher. So Jesus said in verse 31, to the Jews which believed on him. So does he have a word for believers? Is there more for you, believer? If you continue in my word, believer, then are you now my disciples? Indeed. Hmm, from believer to disciple. What happens when you make that jump? Well, you're going to know some things other people don't know, and you're going to walk into some freedom other people aren't walking in. How many of you want the freedom that comes with discipleship? Anybody want the freedom? Well, then you got to be more than a believer. <laughs> Can I get a witness, church? Do you want the freedom? It's, now, am I coming on too strong? Um, you, you, if you want the freedom... Now, church, because see, the devil paints this picture. Man, pastor, what are you going to start talking about? The will of God and I have all my own plans and I have all these wonderful things I want to do. I'm talking about your joy being full. I'm talking about walking in perfect protection. I'm talking about prospering abundantly. Anybody interested in these things? I'm talking about having a conscience that's clear and you can believe God for anything. I'm talking about ability to enjoy the good things you do have. Because, I mean, you're not successful or prosperous just because you have stuff if you can't enjoy them. The blessing of the Lord is the ability to enjoy what you have, not just have, have it, have the stuff. Ecclesiastes talks about that. So, many, many, many believers few disciples. And you can tell, I mean, you don't have to abide or continue in the Lord's word to be a believer. Because he was talking to believers who weren't continuing in the word. So you can be a believer and not be a continuer in the word of God. But just because you're a believer or a child of God doesn't mean you're abiding. Oh, let, let me do this. Before I say that, turn to John 15. And we'll, we'll start wrapping it up here. Turn to John 15. And let me, let me share this with you. One of the things I've, I've learned recently, and I mean, I've known it for a long time, but just the articulating of it, 
is one of the reasons a lot of believers are not living in full freedom in their life is because they're, they haven't taken this step to continue in some things that the Lord's called them to, in the Word. They're not continuing. They're a believer. They're in the family, but they still got so much going on in their life that really wasn't authorized of the Lord. And here's the way I like to put it. So many believers, so many people, church people, whatever, God is just an add-on to what they're already involved with. God's things are an add-on. If I have time, if it's convenient, uh, you know. If I... Well, God can't be an add-on. Right? He needs to be everything. And then if you have room for anything else, you add that on, but you don't add God on. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. You got to watch out about adding God on if you have time, or adding God on if it's convenient, or adding God on if I'm not too busy doing some other stuff that I really, really, really want to do. <clears throat> and I know you may not think this is your answer, but this is the answer for all, all kinds of questions and all kinds of problems in people's lives. This is the answer. It's time to take the will of God a lot more serious. Do you have to? No, you do not. That's one thing about the Lord is He will not make you do anything. Look at um, John 15. Now, this is a really interesting scripture. Actually, now, the scriptures we're going to get into here, Brother Keith started sharing quite a bit on during Week of Increase. And I almost wanted to jump up and say, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, I just saw something. I just want to share it with the whole church. And I, I, of course I didn't because I'm <laughs> respectful. But um, I get to share it with you now because I believe the Lord spoke it to me. And um, I believe it's really powerful. But notice John 15. Now, this is Jesus teaching here. He said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, I'm going to stop right here. Why would you say, I am the true vine, and not just say, I am the vine? Because you and I can be hooked with whoever and whatever we want. Hmm? Why say I? Now, one translation, the original meaning brings out, I am the real vine. And my father's the gardener. And he's talking about us being the branches. And he's talking about it is God's will that we bear the kind of fruit he wants us to bear. He's not happy with fruitless Christians. He's not happy with people not bearing fruit, just like you wouldn't be happy with a tree you planted and it not producing like it should. You don't get mad at it. You're going to try to take better care of it. But we need to be interested in bearing fruit for the Lord. This is strong language. So he, you and I, we could be hooked up with a ton of stuff. And really what's in our lives right now is a result of what we've been hooked up with years gone by. So when he says, 
Every branch in me that bears fruit, he takes away. And every branch that, excuse me, bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, <laughs> maybe we should adjust our prayers a little bit. Maybe instead of saying, Lord, I pray for increase, maybe we say, Lord, I pray you'd prune me. Anybody interested in more fruit? What, what do you think a good prayer would be for more fruit? Lord, help me to identify dead branches. Branches are, are things in my life that are sucking life and producing Zippo. Or very, very little. Any gardeners here? Anybody ever pruned something? Anybody ever pruned something? Why did you prune it? Did you go out there with the shears and say, I'm the evil one? <laughs> snap! <laughs> snap! <laughs> you went out there to take care of something out of love. You wanted to see something look better, right? Correct? Why do you think the Lord wants us to get this stuff out of our lives? Because there's stuff in a lot of our lives right now that is taking up tons of time, tons of energy, and lots of money, and it's producing very very little, yeah. if anything at all. Yeah. And now when you start thinking about things like this, you know, I, I, I was talking with Carla on the phone when I was in Branson about some of these things, and you know, a lot of times the Lord's going to deal with you about things you can do to make more time to hear from Him on a daily basis, because knowing and doing the will of God is an ongoing daily thing. You don't hear from him once and then they have to pray anymore. You've got to hear daily, especially if you want details. But the Lord will start dealing with you about some things because, you know, you think, well, what, how, do I, how do I get in the will of God if I'm not there? How can I be more in the will of God if I'm partly there? How, how can I do this? Let me tell you a few things he might start dealing with you about, okay? Just little, because you, know, you all know as well as I do, being in the will of God has to do with, you know, doing what we know the Word tells us to do, right? What does this Word tell us to do? But it also has to do with what your conscience is talking to you about. How I many know if you want to live in the perfect will of God, <laughs> you're going to have to do some things that the Spirit of God's leading you to do. Yeah. You may or may not want to do them. Getting things right and being honest with people that are close to you. God's really big on relationships. He even said, you know what? You come to church with your offering, leave it there. Go get right with your brother first. But Lord, I'm in church here to worship you. Leave it there. Go get right. Relationships are huge to the Lord. Huge. Big deal. He'll start dealing with you about your thought life. And, what, and if you respond, what happens? You're in his will. You're doing what he wants you to do. Would God ever deal with you about your thought life? Now, you know as well as I do, thoughts come to everybody, but it doesn't mean you have to let them build a nest in your head. Right? Birds fly over all of our heads every day, right? But you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Okay, when that nest process begins, you're getting off. Thoughts may come, but we need to show the Lord we're trustworthy up here. Because He knows, just because we got it together out here for a while but we don't have discipline up here, we're still not a safe investment for him to pour all kinds of resources into. 
because he knows until this is going the right direction, you're going to get off again sometime in the future. Even if your behavior is right for three months, if you've still got undisciplined thoughts, he knows they'll some, eventually show up in the outward. He'll start dealing with you about things you watch on TV, social, time on social media. And if we respond to his dealings, we're obeying him. We're in his will. If we don't, we're not in his full will. Little things. Habits. Being more kind. You know, a lot of being in the will of God is taking your love walk very seriously. And so let me, let me just show you a scripture here. We'll wrap it up. In John, if you keep reading here, look at verse, um, so everybody say this, Lord, Lord. prune me. <laughs> Come on, did you mean it, church? <laughs> you want more fruit? You might need some pruning. Well, pastor, I got a little bit of fruit. Cool. Do you want, now let me say this, the Lord wants more fruit. He's going to point things out. I'm telling you, he's going to point things out that have been draining our time and our energy and our money so that when we're, the things we're supposed to do, we're too tired to do them. The things we're supposed to do, our responsibilities in His church, in His kingdom, in His thing, the things we're supposed to do, we now don't have time, energy, or money to do because something else drained it. Don't think you can't waste what the Lord's given you. The prodigal son said, Father, I'd like my inheritance now. And the father was a good father. He said, sure, you can have my, and nothing wrong. Him asking for his inheritance wasn't the problem. The father gladly gave it to him. Right? You have not because you asked not. The prodigal son said, Father, I'd like my inheritance now, please. The father said, sure, that was fine. That was great. Nothing was wrong at that point. But then the prodigal son took his father's inheritance, went away to a far country, you know, where nobody knows what you're doing went away to a far country and wasted. Everybody say wasted. So we know prosperity is not just about getting more. It's about not wasting what he does give you. He wasted on riotous living. Got to stop some drains, plug some things. So when the increase does come, you know, you can, you can have the drain open in the bathtub and have the water on it and never fill up. The drain's big enough, it'll just keep going down faster than it's coming in. Two hours later, it's still only a third, third high. But what if you stop the drain and the water keeps flushing in? Overflow is on the way. All right, so read here. He said, abide, that same word in John where it said, continue in my word, means to stay, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. That's amazing. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Does he want us to bear much fruit? 
so shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, even so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide or continue in my love. Even, Jesus said, as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. All right, in closing, here, get this revelation, chew on this all day if you can. Just because we're believers doesn't mean we're abiding in Him or abiding in His love. It's not automatic. You know how I know that? Even Jesus, the Son of God, was not abiding in the Father's love unless He was doing His commandments and the works He told Him to do. Can you be a legitimate child of God and not be abiding in the Lord and in His love? Is it possible? We, we've been thinking, you know, I'm in Christ. I'm automatically abiding in Him. No, you're not. You could be in Christ and doing your own thing. You're going to heaven when you die, but does it mean in this area of ministry and the planet, ministry of the Father's business, things He's called us to, doesn't mean we're where we should be in that area. This scripture says right here, Jesus said, I have kept my Father's command. In other words, He's saying, I don't abide in the Father's love just because I'm His child. I abide in the Father's love because I do His commandments. And that includes written scriptures. That includes what the Holy Spirit's talking to your heart about. That includes following your conscience. Amen. And submitting to what He wants more than anything. Pastor, I am submitting to this church. I'm submitting to the vision. I'm submitting to the will of God. I'm submitting. Are you sure it's not just agreement you're talking about? Because submission doesn't even kick in till you don't want to do what you're told to do. Did you know that? Submission is doing what you don't want to do. Submission and agreement, two different things. Man, we're submitted. We'll see next time you're tempted to do something else. Stand up, church. Part one. So much more. Let's make a couple confessions before I call up whoever's going to close the service. Father, thank you for your word. Oh, let's lift our hands. Let's thank the Lord, church. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Church, listen, look real close. Look up here for a second. If you read the chapter that I just finished there, John 15... I think we even just read it now. Jesus said, talking about abiding in Him and us, you know, His Word. Abiding in His love. The verses we just read, listen to what He said. He said, if you do these things, your joy will be full. You will be satisfied. Happy, happy, happy. He said your joy would be full. See, most people think, oh, i got to do so much work for the Lord. You're seeing it wrong and you're listening to the devil. Doing these things that we're talking about here, walking in love, finding your place, being fitted, doing the will of God, saying yes to the little things he's trying to talk to you about. Those things, that's not a bondage life. That's not a, that's not, how much more does God expect me to do? And golly, how much more do I got to do? You're thinking wrong. There's something wrong because these things will cause your joy to be full.